We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up? Pat Mayo here before the show starts. Although this is a challenge USA 2 breakdown, we spent the first 20 minutes of the show talking about streaming services, the business of that, which ones are going out of business, and just a lot about the tech side and business side of a lot of these streaming services and how they interact with reality TV shows and sports. If you're looking for the challenge breakdown, just hit the time code. Uh, I was going to cut that part out and put it at the end, but yeah, that's a lot of work. It's much easier just to do this and let you know. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. Today is a cross-promotion show with the Challenge Chronicles podcast because we have the premiere of the Challenge USA 2 on CBS starting on August 10th. Everyone who's especially a longtime listener of the Pat Mayo Experience knows that I, I really been, really got into the biz talking about football, talking about golf and baseball, but also a ton of reality TV, primarily the challenge. So I've been off that island for a while, but I still watch. I'm still highly invested, and I still like playing in the fantasy game. If you want to play in the free fantasy game, hit the link in the description right now. It's set up like DraftKings-wise, where you pick six players within a salary cap. It's a whole lot of fun. You only get to pick your team once, though, by the way, and you get points for like fighting and winning and hooking up and all that fun stuff that we love about the challenge. So I'm going to bring him in right now, Devin Jordan on vacation. So I'm stepping in for him, Rob McIntyre, Trace Armstrong, fellas. Actually, Trace, are you excited for this season? Surprisingly, USA 2 is probably the most excited I've been about a season in a while, just because I really like the cast. I really like the format I'm hearing. So I'm hoping that it plays out to meet my expectations. Now, granted, we're not talking Rivals 2 level expectations. We're in, you know, total madness bar height. Well, Rob, we we got what? We have this coming out. All-Stars 4 is done, and they're just holding on to it right now. I'm yeah. guessing because of the writer's strike that you know, they might have to take it off Paramount Plus and put it on CBS at some point if the strike goes on for long enough and they start running out of content. And then the actual challenge season, Challenge 39, I think is done filming right now. So we'll probably see that in October or November on MTV. So there's a lot of challenge coming up. I'm actually excited for all of them. Uh, like listening to you guys, not so much Rob, but you trace and Devin who's not here are like out on season 39 before it starts. I'm kind of in Rob. 
my thing is, if we haven't liked the past couple of seasons of the show, 39 at least represents something different, right? They've recognized that they want to change things up. So if they're going to change things up, I'm willing to watch it. And that's like, obviously it could be bad, but I mean, it could be good. They've decided to change things up. I think they've made a good direction so far. Yeah, I, I kind of live under the premise exactly like you do, that the last few seasons were absolutely god awful. How could it really get worse at this point? So let's throw a change up and see what happens. And at least, Trace, if you have a whole bunch of people, right, and I just a spoiler for the team, con, like the concept of 39, not any actual spoilers, but it's no people who have ever won before. So it's all like a bunch of jabronis looking to get their first win that, you know, maybe these people, if they want a few callbacks, Trace are going to be hooking up and drinking and making a scene. All the things that I love about the challenge that now that it's what professional CrossFit that they don't do anymore. Yeah, well, the problem is, is I have no faith that the editors will actually show any of that information. You know, they from everything I've heard from cast members that have been on previous seasons, they're still, you know, they're not drinking as much because they have drink tickets now. They're limited to like two drinks a night. Um, there have been hookups. There have been fights. But instead, they've shown us Tori and Jordan drama part 87. And so unless they make a I think where I'm at is. The way they edit the show now, I'm not interested in season 39 as much. Now, however, if they do a course correction and edit the show like they used to, this really could be a fun season. I just I've been burned too much by their production to expect them to actually show that these days. I think that's part of why I have some hope, because, again, with this cast change up, they recognize we want to do something different with this season. We recognize we don't want to do the same thing. Maybe editing wise, it'll still be like a Hallmark movie and they won't show anything actually interesting. But this this is at least shown some indication that they want to change something about the show. I would tend to agree with Robin. What, what do we have in terms of the contract for the main show? We'll get to the the cast of US. We'll get to that in, yeah, in okay. a moment. But like you have this season, season forty. I even saw that Frank Sweeney was tweeting about that he would come back yeah. for season forty, which I am all for. Uh, give me more Frank in my life. I, I miss Frank mm-hmm. on my TV, and he can pretend like he's a reformed individual, but I don't want to see reformed Frank on my TV. I want to see giant asshole Frank, who is also really good at competitions on my TV. That's kind of what I'm hoping that we get from this like season 39. But after season 40, I don't believe it's probably going to be on MTV any longer. If MTV even exists with like in the course of the next 18 months. Yeah. I've got some sources that are out there. And from what I, this is what, let me say what I have confirmed. Then I will speculate. So what I have confirmed The challenge is only contracted through season 40 on MTV. So there is no 41 currently on the docket for production. And the rumor mill, as we move into speculation, is I've heard that MTV is not even going to be a network in 2025. So what Bunim and Murray is doing with USA 2 by putting vets of the show on, to me, is testing the waters on how the mainstream audience is going to react to Johnny Bananas and Wes and things like that so that potentially the challenge is just going to be on CBS moving forward in your feeder shows instead of being let's pick the international jabron show of the month it's we're just going to use Survivor Love Island and these CBS based reality properties to fill out the cast I, I think that makes a ton of sense I'm actually kind of stunned that because if that's really what they're trying to do and maybe they're saving that for season 40 and really blowing their budget on it because it seemed like they saved an awful lot of money with season 39 (laughs) that if you're going to put your product on cbs which is probably what three to ten times the audience of what the challenge would get on mtv a much at least oh no it's way bigger than that i mean you think it's bigger than ten times 
Yeah, MTV in America now, if you look at the number of people that have traditional cable or a YouTube TV or things like that, I think I saw a statistic that it's like 18% of what was there 10 years ago. Whereas CBS, if you have a digital antenna, you get it for free. Um, and you, if you wow. have Paramount Plus, you get it for free. So to me, I would say the audience for CBS has... 100% penetration unless you're in the oh. desert in Wyoming. Oh, okay. Well, I think MTV still comes in those packages, though. Like, we're Hulu Live TV. We still get MTV. Yeah. Like, I, all I was going to say is, like, like, when you looked at the ratings for Challenge USA 1 versus what you see for the flagship show. Now, granted that the flagship show has gone down in ratings, but again, mm -hmm. it's on cable. So you're right. Did, what I was trying to speculate as it was probably, what, like 600K to 800K per episode for the flagship trace? Oh, it was bigger than that. So USA's ratings were in like the almost 2 million people yeah, range, okay. right? Or so the USA he, he's for the flagship show. What's the flagship at? 600 The flagship right now, 600K was what Ride or Die's averaged. When USA was airing, they were hovering in that 800, 900K per episode. All right. So if I said that the audience could be the audience should be 10 times bigger, then I was wrong. It's not getting it's like, double. It's only like one and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would think in terms of just overall, I was looking at it from the perspective of overall amount of people who watch CBS, okay. like regular programming, like not football, like just their own TV show products versus MTV. I would assume it's still significantly higher. Uh, so will the show continue under the same flagship umbrella then, or will it continue under the USA umbrella? I think you drop USA if they're moving it officially to CBS. Like, why do you need to designate it as Challenge USA unless they're going to continue Challenge Australia and UK, which based on the ratings... Probably not. Based on the quality, they should only do Challenge well, Australia. And that's Australia the irony. That's the irony. Both UK and Australia were actually really good like television. It was really entertaining. We got the sloppy fighting, the drunken tirades, okay, random not. political stuff. It was great. It was really, Australia, really good. Like Australia, I think, is probably my favorite season since... War of the Worlds won outside of the All-Star season. Australia was a fire season. Yeah. I mean, the, the answer to all of this is that we're just going to all end up watching All-Stars, and that's going to be it. <laughs> I'm assuming it still keeps going, which is the hope. It should. It seems, I mean, there's only so many things on Paramount Plus that actually get people to buy Paramount Plus. It's essentially Yellowstone and all like the Taylor Sheridan Yellowstone spinoffs and whatever the new one is and mm -hmm. Tulsa King, like that universe of creator. And then you have all the new Star Trek properties. And even the old ones, I think, are on Paramount Plus, which is... Mm -hmm. a good niche market that people will go out of their way to buy. Like Star Trek isn't huge, huge, but it has a very strong core community that will buy these products. So you have a mm -hmm. built-in fan base there. And then you have this, like that's essentially it. Like challenge all-stars, you know, the challenge world championship, which, you know, I didn't mind. It wasn't great. And then you have all these spinoff shows, but if you can move everything onto Paramount plus and the name of the game is to get subscribers, then that seems like the way to do it. I think the real question that I have, though, is are we going to see the burst? Because we're kind of on the precipice of the burst of the streaming platforms. You've got Peacock losing money. You got Paramount Plus losing money. I think Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus are the only three streaming platforms that are actually turning a profit. So at what point do these companies think about dropping their streaming platform and going back to just licensing to Netflix? You know, so that's. That's the thing I worry about for the future of an all-stars property is will Paramount Plus even still exist in two years? We just don't know how the streaming bubble is going to change in the next 
two years. I think some of it will have to do when the new contracts are signed with the writers to see which digital rights end up going to the writers with all this in terms of residuals. But I think that the tech spend on an over-the-top property like this gives it a lot longer legs than people are talking about because people do not want to just sink that investment, especially when you're Viacom and you're talking about this kind of thing. Or, I mean, I guess you say Disney Plus is still making money. I heard it was too woke to make money, but that's me. (laughs) Well, they're just making bad shows on Disney Plus lately. But you, I look at my four-year-old. My four-year-old boots up Disney Plus twice a day. You know, like she's on it. And I feel like my sample in the deep south of America is a pretty good indicator. If you've got deep south kids booting it up, more liberal areas, there's a lot more kids booting it up. So I think Disney Plus is going to be just fine no matter what they do. I, I would think so too. Easy and, to make money on too. And they, I mean, they have Disney itself. Well, they're cutting costs and laying people off. It's not because they're losing money. It's just because their growth wasn't as big as they wanted it to be. And this is a way to, in you know, quarter two instead of quarter one, to show, hey, we made a lot more money because we fired a hundred people that. I mean, yeah. you can say you needed them or didn't need them, but we replaced them with more cost-efficient people. Yeah, and I think that the 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 secret success of streaming platforms like Paramount Plus in the future, and I think you're going to see this with Max as well, they're going to have to open up the checkbook and spend more money on exclusive live sports programming. Agreed. You know, Amazon Prime spent a ton of money to get the NFL on the Thursday night package. NASCAR just sold the rights to their secondary series for a boatload of hundreds of millions of dollars to just the CW. And I'm hearing that NASCAR is looking to take a block of races to put exclusively on a streaming platform. So that's the kind of thing that's going to keep those subscriptions rolling in is live sports. Wait, so minor league NASCAR is on the CW app. It was announced this week. So uh, CW in America has 100% penetration across everybody over the air antenna wise. So the Xfinity series is the rung right below the NASCAR Cup series. And I think they are paying NASCAR $125 million a year to be the exclusive home of 35 races the whole season for the next 10 years, beginning in like 2025. So I I like this strategy from the CW, Rob. They have minor league NASCAR and live golf. (laughs) It's like that and what like... um... Who's on? Is it anyway? Reruns like that's all they got. Yeah, and they used to have like the whole Arrowverse properties, but those have all been canceled. But they're basically going in to be like the over-the-air second-tier sports network. But you can download the CW app for free in America and stream whatever's on. So there's no like if you're interested in Live or if you're interested in secondary NASCAR and then whatever else they go after, because I think they also have some of the USFL games too. Sweet and XFL does. Yeah, I don't even know. No, and so uh, I think it, it's an interesting on... strategy, is my point. And you... so I think what you're going to see is live sports is going to drive the the shelf life of some of these streaming platforms. But what if we see it and it's not successful because Apple TV Plus did that MLS deal, and, it, and as it just turns out, like not a good deal. Well, I think you yeah, have to look it... at the demographic of America, Rob. I'm sorry, I'll cu- I cut you off. You come back in in just a second. Uh, you have to look at the demographic of America. Like if you were to put a percentage of Americans that are watching the MLS, I would peg it at 5% maybe. And that might even be generous. However, you put a crappy NFL game on, on Thursday night, you get 20%. 
So to me, it's a better investment. You've got to invest in the big sports like ESPN plus is profitable because they're the exclusive home of every NHL game now. But I mean, are we sure that more people watch the NHL than watch the MLS in America at this point? Based on attendance, yes. On attendance, sure. But in actual like, because I find that hockey is a lot like baseball in terms of it uh, being a regional sport around the country where, you know, you're in like the D.C. area. You care about the Capitals, presumably. I mean, Trace, you're a Capitals fan, too, aren't you? Yes. But But like, do you care about what, I don't know, the Anaheim Ducks are doing? Uh, I throw hockey games on in the back when I'm not doing anything. I also just watch a lot of sports, though, so I may may not be the best barometer for this. I would say most of my friends who also are Capitals fans, like from the area, they know a couple big names on other teams. But if you ask them, like, power rank the teams in the NHL, they'd have no clue. They don't know anybody who's not on the first line of any of these other teams or is one of their four best players. Um, They're definitely not watching that many games that aren't featuring their team. I would definitely say hockey almost needs to come like a college sport, at least in our area, where a lot of people care a lot about the Capitals, but they don't care much about anything else. See, that that's that's my that's how I mean I don't yeah. have the data to back this up I'm just spitballing here but that's how being a Canadian the NHL in the USA feels to me now I think it's a little bit different when you get into New England or even like upstate New York or Minnesota you know places where it gets cold out that maybe they do care a little bit more about the NHL rather than just local where it feels to me again just spitballing about the MLS MLS fans feel like they're underdogs, which they are. And it Mm -hmm. seems like they are more willing to go out and support MLS as a whole, rather than just their local team. Like Toronto FC does big business in Toronto. Like they would sell out every game when I was there. Uh, And it was actually a pretty fun experience, despite the fact that I don't really like soccer all that much, especially what like the, the eighth best soccer league on earth or whatever it may be. And they do have the ability to attract these like huge names and reach the international community. Like with Messi coming in, like that was a real thing. It's like when Becky Beckham went to the LA galaxy, how long ago now I'm never going to be the one to watch it, but it does seem like, you know, someone in Seattle and they're the fan of the Seattle team might watch a Miami game or a, I might be wrong about that but i just feel like hockey's not really moving the needle despite the fact that it used to be considered a big four sport in america and that's just not the case it does worse ratings than golf and nascar yeah you're right and i think the question i would have i know we're way off topic this i think is really important to talk about is when you look at u.s sports you could say that everyone in the world agrees that the nhl is the pinnacle of professional hockey the nba is the pinnacle of professional basketball the MLB is the pinnacle of professional baseball, although the Japanese might have an argument in some cases. No. And then you also no. have, you know, the NFL. Well, it's really the only place that has good. I mean, Canadian football is decent. It's different. Too. It, like, it's it's a different very game. different. It's very oh, different. But the NFL is the pinnacle, whereas MLS, like you said, is like number eight. You know, you would have lots of different arguments on what's really the number one soccer league. And then you also have the problems with the national team. So it's 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 not there's no like one central. This is the gold standard for this sport with soccer. It's spread all over the place. Well, the nuts thing to me with the MLS thing is that everyone went crazy for the rights because Messi was coming to Inter Miami was going to be the MLS. It's not like anybody was watching him on PSG when he was playing terrible French league teams. Nobody around me was ever like, oh, we need to watch Messi when he's playing Lyon this weekend in the French league. But I, I don't, so I never saw a huge difference. But like, it'll 
sure, it'll be a big story while he's here. It'll be sort of a big cultural story. But in terms of actually watching the games, I'm sure people will turn in the first couple into Miami games, then they'll turn it off. It's not going to be that big of a deal. I, yeah. I would tend to agree with you. But I mean, my point was that MLS feels like a bad buy. For Apple Plus, they knew they had to get into the sports. I think they have MLB like game of the night as well for each of the teams. I remember when they had a Yankees game last year and Judge, I think, was going to break the home record, was in, could have broken the home run record. Then, like, no one could figure out how to watch this game. Although, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that difficult to figure out. Five dollars Apple TV Plus, you've got it. But let's also be real Apple has not spent the money on their broadcast. They by far have the worst sports broadcasting presentation of any American streaming company. Well, it's a, here's why they're all bad buys for them. And even like you talked about ESPN plus you have the NHL. It also has all the UFC at the same time, which I actually think is a more valuable product to them. Than I would the agree. NHL. I would definitely agree. And the difference between all of those, like we don't know whether or not the NFL is a good buy for Amazon. Sure. They're getting a lot of viewers, but they're also paying 3000 times the price over one game for 17 games that people are playing paying for entire seasons of other sports but at least they have the push through factor right that if you get an amazon prime you have to get an amazon prime membership in order to watch the games on amazon prime right so what happens when you have an amazon prime membership it's not the 80 bucks or 125 bucks 100 bucks whatever it is per year that you get for getting amazon prime it's now you have Amazon Prime and you might buy other stuff when you're on Amazon. Like that's where the, mm-hmm. that's where they're hoping that they make their money from. It has nothing to do mm-hmm. with the broadcast. It's all just a net to try to get people onto Amazon to buy more shit that they don't need. And I could see that being very valuable. We're obviously never going to know the metrics behind that. None of these other places have that. So unless it's super successful and you up your package price, like I don't understand the point of having it. Yeah. And I think that's the trick. You know, you've got to figure out what's, the the bubble of what is the what is the real value of live sport licensing at this point it drives advertising on live tv we really have no idea what impact it has on streaming yet so should i put this part at the end of the show do you think if people click on this for the challenge <laughs> be like hey we actually just spent 20 minutes talking yeah, about streaming so, rights that might actually be you have a separate I think it ties in, though. So it ties into our whole discussion, though, is like, what's the real future of the challenge on the streaming platform? And it really depends on what happens with all of the things we just talked about. You know, like if Paramount Plus goes away or let's say the budget gets reduced on Paramount Plus, my hunch is, is the challenge should be okay for all stars, because when you boil it down to it, that show costs two pennies to produce compared to the Kiefer Sutherland show they have right now. You mean I think it's fake, called like Rap, Rabbit Hole or something like that. You mean Fake 24? Yeah, Fake 24. And then they have Tulsa King with Sylvester Stallone. Like they've got some really like pricey original content that no one's talking about. Well, I saw well, and the thing is. Oh, go ahead, Rob. So my, my thing would be with that, what they should be doing. Are, are editors for the challenge part of the strike that's going on right now? No. No, so my thing what they what they should be is airing the show on CBS in sort of the CBS format, and then do like a shit they should have shown and some other background content they just throw on the streaming platform because I think the show has enough like of the really bought in fans who'd want to watch pretty much anything challenge that comes out where they'd be willing to buy the streaming platform for it and they also get content now to air on their network 
that doesn't interfere with the strike that's going on right now. That's what I would be doing if I was them. That's the one thing I really wanted the show to do. I feel like we really miss having a shit they should have shown in some other just background content of people hanging out at the house. We just haven't had that in the past couple of seasons. So I would I, that's what I would be looking to do is just throw that on the background on a streaming on the streaming platform. And then if you usually air on CBS, air your sort of modified standard version of the show on CBS. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna put this part of the episode at the end. And then we can, I mean, the discussion works in either format, but if people are here for the challenge, they'll probably want to hear they are. first. So they are. if people want to listen more about the streaming end of everything, then um, you can just hit the time codes and just jump to that part as we talk about sports and streaming, challenge and streaming, Paramount Plus, and all of the other derivatives of OTT platforms. We're here to talk about the cast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And since it's on CBS and you expect a bigger audience and a bigger budget, and now they've moved the MTV names over to CBS, which I really like to see, are you surprised that CT isn't involved in this first one? No, he was supposed no. to be. Oh, okay. It's he. He has a lot going on right now. Do you hope hope so for CT? Everything ends up going okay. He just, I think he just had family stuff going on that he can't get around. He's yeah, you can't. Right? You yeah, he's getting yeah. divorced. Um, you cannot convince me that they were trying to do CT versus bananas versus Wes, and then when they couldn't get CT, they were like, "Well, we have CT at home, and here came Corey because." <laughs> He has the name recognition of being on Teen Mom. So from a Q factor, he would be more recognizable than someone else we might have preferred to be in that spot. So are are they trying to make it seem like we don't know what the teams are? Like, spoiler, there's three teams this season on Challenge USA. So I'm guessing it's some sort of a cutthroat format until they probably blow it up at some point, Rob. But that, that would be the problem. When they did the cast release on the official account and the trailer and everything, you can see the team split up into three. But like when you go look at cast lists for who's on it, they don't show them in teams like they're pretending that other material isn't out there. It's really bizarre. They do this all the time. I mean, they even have an image out of the cast in the team. There's a very clear image of the green, the red and the blue team just out in the open for everyone to see who everybody is. Uh, but they pretend like we don't know. I mean, look, th- there's been episodes in the past where like, you know how they'll show like the next episode on at the end where they'll cliffhanger the, em- the elimination and you'll see somebody from the elimination that's on the next episode on at the end of the episode. So they're not trying to hide anything. All right. So give us the teams, the cast list, Rob, for team number one, the blue team, I guess. So in the blue team, uh, the two MTV vets are Tori Deal and Corey Wharton. Then we also have Alyssa Lopez, Alyssa Snyder, and Cassidy from Survivor. Uh, we have Fessy, Chris Underwood, and Sebastian, the last results from Survivor. 
Uh, then we also have the red team. That's the team that I think is going to be probably the most dramatic of any of the teams we have. That is Bananas and Janae as the MTV vets. And then we have Michelle, Tiffany, and Chanel, as well as Polly, Josh, and Dusty. Then for Team Green, that is Wes and Amanda as the vets. And then it's Michaela, Desi, Amira, Monty, Tyler, and Luis. The Bananas team sounds really good. I think they'll be the most interesting by a decent amount, just having Bananas, Polly, and Josh on the team. And I love Michelle, so having her on the team as well. I think that'll have plenty of noise going on. From a competition perspective, I think they're all pretty even, though, from what I've seen. I don't. None of the three teams sticks out to me. I mean, the, any team that has, like, if you're going to bring in a vet, Trace, like, Janae is, oh, we'll see how she does against, like, this you know, younger people at this point, because she's been dominating on All-Stars. Obviously, we know that Tori is good, at least, in terms of being a good athlete. Like, Amanda kind of sucks. Like, she's great TV. Bad she's amazing TV. She was the well, only the thing that made SLA watchable. For sure. But the funny thing with the, the funny thing with Amanda is like she was portrayed as really bad on SLA. Everyone was talking constantly about how she was bringing their team down with you know nobody wanted on her team. But on Final Reckoning, which wasn't that long ago, she and Zach were the best team that most seats. And obviously Zach carried. You say you have but to remember still a pretty Zach big part is of that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think she could still be useful on a team context. I and I think the rest of her team is pretty good. Yeah, to me, the red team. The thing that could sabotage them is this is not spoilers. It's in the press releases, so it's out there. It says there's only going to be one man and one woman that win this season. So even though they're looking like they're divided up into teams, at the end of the day, only one of them can win. And so that might affect them being all singing Kumbaya and trying to win every challenge because they might be trying to sabotage each other to give the that person a better shot to win. So there's a lot of combustible personalities that are just on that red team. We, is it a marketing ploy to say that like Josh and Fessy and Michelle are from the other CBS shows, be it Survivor or Big Brother, just as, oh, hey, I remember Fessy from Big Brother. I'll watch this challenge show that I've never heard of. Is that sort of what they're going for in terms of the marketing? Because, yeah, they, they all originated from those shows. They've done more seasons of the challenge at this point. I would think so. I would think with what they're trying to do with the CBS property is to make it more accessible to CBS audiences. So they're going to portray them as from their CBS show and not the MTV version. So who are yeah. the people who are the people that we haven't seen on the challenge before that you think are going to be pretty good? Um, so out of the people who are on this cast, um, I think Monty, he's on the green team with the West. I think he'll be pretty good. He's a personal trainer for Big Brother. He was the runner, runner up on his Big Brother season. He, he shouldn't have to worry about winning jury votes. Or he's pretty big. He's an athletic trainer. He's got a good athletic background. Yeah, he's pretty I think jacked. he'll be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he'll be pretty good. Um, Alyssa Lopez, she was one of these... I feel like Big Brother has this every season where there's the girl who everyone says she's just casted because she's attractive, which, look, is probably 80% true. Hey, wait, but she, I, she, had, she was on last season, wasn't she? Uh, excuse me, Alyssa Snyder, not Lopez. Ah. That's my fault. Uh, so yeah, Snyder, not Lopez. Um, but she has a good athletic background, too, so I, I think she'll be pretty good. I think most of these rookies want us to be pretty capable. Uh, Sebastian from Survivor, I don't quite understand that casting choice, but all, all the rest of them I think are pretty good. That one's the mind-boggling one to me, is what the hell is Seabass doing there? Yeah, who's that? He was from Survivor Ghost Island. Um, that was, you remember Dom from USA? That was his original season of Survivor. He was, I, I, I actually really like that season of uh, Survivor. There's this character on Chris Noble, who I think would be perfect for the challenge. But Sebastian, he was, I think, like fifth or sixth place on that season. He didn't do that much. Um, I found him a very bland character. So um, maybe, I me mean, look, maybe we just saw something in him. Um, I would, I guess it's probably just an agent hire. That's why he's here. And he'll he'll be out from the first three episodes. Yeah, to me, the the sleeper of the season and he's on the wrong team and that's what's going to hurt him um, is Dusty on the red team. So he's from Amazing Race. 
he probably would have won his amazing race season had his partner not had some issues throughout the season um, in terms of his partner actually went to jail falsely accused of murder. And so they ran the amazing race after he was exonerated of said murder. And his friend, when he would get flustered, would like have mental breakdowns. So God bless the man for real. But Dusty, if his partner had been mentally able to keep it together they would have dusted the whole season he's super athletic uh-huh. runs iron man's things like that that guy can compete the problem is he's on a team with bananas Polly, and josh so he is going to be the cannon fodder for their team to go into all the male eliminations if they're going in do we have any idea how the eliminations are going to work so we can see there's like a lottery ball thing that they're drawn out um at the beginning and i believe both teams, like there's two teams you can see in their gear, which makes it look like there's two teams that are available to go into elimination. Um, from the voiceover, it seems like you just draw a name, and once that name gets drawn, you're in. I would think that's how it works. So it seems like it could be pretty random in terms of who goes in. It seems like it definitely could be one of these things where Johnny could just be going in week two because his name just gets called. I, I yeah. would have my doubts that's going to end up being the case. It's probably, well, what happened, Trace? What was the cutthroat style? It was the team that won was safe. Everyone was safe from that team. And then like the other two teams, had to nominate the player from their team that they wanted to go in. Maybe it's the same way, but you nominate two yeah. players from your team and then there's a lottery ball of which one goes in. Yeah, I, that was the way they did it was secret votes in that basement recording studio thing. And then whoever got it was a secret ballot. And so whoever got the most votes for their team is who went in um, for this one. My speculation is the winning team is safe and they get to nominate a player from each team. And then the lottery ball, or maybe what they're doing is, is the teams nominate and then everybody else is eligible with the lottery ball. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. I That's the one thing I'm slightly worried about because there were some really good deliberations on world championship when you force these people to have to sit down and pick names. And when you do the random draws, I think we lose a little bit of drama and political play. Well, it takes some of the drama out because we don't have people yelling at each other then, right? They're just going into a booth and throwing a little lottery ball in or they're just breaking the recording. They're not actually screaming at each other like Danny and Jordan were for most of last season. So I think that takes a little bit out of the show. I think it definitely adds a randomness element to it too. Do we think there's going to be like a Daniel Stern freezing the envelope with any of this ball drawing? Like are are, are these MTV vests that's going to be set pretty for most of the season? And I can get the right name drawn. I would have to think so, yeah. Or they'll, the the people from the challenge will know, like, what was it, the kill card? year where De- mm-hmm. Devin noticed like the, the trick to the kill card. That's why he never pulled it. Yeah. That, it seems like every year they do that. There's always something where like, Oh, this one's like bent a little bit a certain way. So half the cat figures it out. And then it's just the rookies who are going in constantly again. What do you make of like the challenge people versus these other people in this format of the show? Because it's not like you know bananas is significantly more athletic. He's probably less athletic than a lot. He's also 40 uh, compared to, you know, you mentioned like one of the guys, a personal trainer, they have this dusty guy is like a super good athlete. We saw Tyson when he was on USA one that he just kind of left everyone in the lurch. Like he was just way better than everyone else at every competition. So like athletically, I don't think that they're at much of an advantage It's like just knowing the format and how the challenge works their advantage. I mean, I think there's a big advantage to knowing how to expend effort and how to like, how, how to do what's the best way to accomplish certain tasks according to the challenge. Like having an idea of, okay, I need to expend a lot of effort here. I don't need to worry about this that much. Knowing what to look for to kind of slither away and find a shortcut to accomplish a certain task. I think there's still that that's still very valuable on the show. I mean, look, a lot of these um CBS people also have that capability. Sonic Survivor and Big Brother have 
hugely different competition sometimes from what the challenge does. So I think I think I think this will be a pretty even playing field cast wise. I, I at the very least think that these MTV guys will get a decent amount more screen time than their regular CBS brethren. It seems like they haven't highlighted it so far in the promotional material. Now, yeah, I th- sorry. The one thing I would add to that is I think there's just a certain level of understanding the challenge loopholes that helps those guys and gals out a lot. And I specifically flash back to Total Madness. They had that one mission where they were in like the clouded fog or dark room and they had to memorize the stuff and bananas realized where he was positioned. He could see the lights reflecting from around the side. So instead of him running back into the glass, he just stood at his post and memorized it and did the puzzle. So there's things like that that they're aware of that the CBS people might not be. Bananas didn't win that, though. He didn't. Yeah, per- he didn't win it on purpose, though. He just didn't I mean, come a, in that's last. That's a convenient. I, that's impossible. I, I like that, that, that's ridiculous. I like that's a very convenient banana excuse. Whenever he doesn't win anything, it's yeah. You know, I wasn't even trying to win. That's fair. Yeah, that, 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 that's ridiculous. And why is he ha- hacking it and showing everybody else a shortcut if he's not trying to win? And he did end up in the tribunal that episode because Wes picked him when he won with Maddie. Yeah. I, I can't explain that. I don't try to understand the mind of Johnny Bananas in a lot of cases. No, he's just trying. So, to so make, my, he's trying to make his money. That's what he's trying to do. So and he did. Like the big, yeah, but I mean, the, the pro- big producing entertaining TV equals I'll be called back if people see that I'm not a huge asshole, you know, 10 years later now that I can be on this reality show and that reality show and host my own travel show, that kind of thing. Like, that's kind of what he's doing at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think with this guy, just Polly back, right? Like, that's the big grab amongst all these people. Polly? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm weirdly happy to see Polly and Josh back, which is crazy as that sounds. I mean, Josh is at least, Josh, you know how you have like the, the wide receiver who just gets like six catches every week and doesn't, never has a big like blow up week, just consistent every week. If they just need TV time, something to throw on TV, they can always just cut to Josh. He's fighting with somebody. He's left food in the microwave. He has, you know, accidentally punched somebody. He's always up to something. So I think he makes for a good like safety valve for the producers to have. And if you have him on a team with Johnny and Polly, you'd assume there's going to be some sort of fireworks at least to start. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see which kind of Polly that we get. Josh just reminds me of... The classic character, like he feels like a legitimate throwback to the era of the show that I like the best. Like I know you guys are doing your Fresh Meat 2 walkthrough right now. Like Josh could most certainly have been like the Ryan Kehoe of Fresh Meat 2. If for sure. Oh yeah. Like he's that level of competitor that you don't see get recast a lot in these main casts anymore. And the show kind of suffers because of it. Yeah. I mean, he's the one like main recurring cast where you would say is like an actual bad act. Right. I think he's done a lot of work to improve himself over the years, but he's the one he would say they don't have necessarily nat- the natural athletic gifts that he has a lot of these other people. He's more of just a jobber from a competition perspective. Yeah. He, lo- he looks like he's in really good shape for the first time ever. Yeah. He does look like he's really worked out a lot. So maybe he'll come on this season and be a lot better. Yeah. One of the things we talk about on our podcast is it's like a good cast can save a bad format. And so as long as they edit the show well and this cast holds up, this really could be a good season because one of the dynamics I'm really excited about watching is can Wes and Amanda coexist as the vets on their team? Because Wes is going to try to do his thing. Amanda's going to try to do her thing. And those things are not going to coincide very well. And so I'm really excited to watch Amanda and Wes try to work together. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that it's not even going to matter. Like what I would, if somehow your team can influence who's safe and who's not on your team, then I would expect Polly, Johnny and Josh to work together and just keep themselves safe and screw everyone else on their team. And maybe Amanda doesn't seem to want to play. Like, Wes will go for that, 
on his team, but it probably just won't work out. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've seen some beef between Tori and Amanda online. Like, unless that happens in the first three days that they're there, it seems like she's there. Do you think there's going to be a thing where, like, you can't vote in Johnny? No, I don't think it'll be that. I mean, I, I think we could have a frozen lottery ball that has Johnny Bennett's name on it that TJ knows not to grab out of the thing. <laughs> but I, I, I don't necessarily see um, there being, like, an explicit rule that these MTV vets have saved. Maybe, maybe it could be that there's, like, like, a mission or so in the beginning that they do and then the mtv is coming like after that like the teams will be sorted out through some mission in the beginning that makes you eligible for elimination and that's coming after that so they'll get like a week or two by but um i I don't think there'd be any outsized uh explicit rule in their favor the only reason that i think pat may be onto something is is there was a throwaway line in the trailer that's like it said something along the lines of when they're eligible to be put in elimination, you can bet I'm doing it. And so it could be that they have immunity for a certain amount of time as the team captains, and then they're eligible. So I think that is on the table. Or you can interpret that in different ways too. There could be like, well, there are team competitions. There could be individual elements of the team competition. And let's say you're the best on your team, even if your team loses, like you have immunity or something like that. Exactly. And so I would be betting that Wes and Bananas are the most likely to be the best, you know, person on their team, even if they lose. So, you know, you you might not get too many shots at them. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Well, I don't know. In terms of daily missions, like in where we stand in 2023, Rob, I kind of think that Polly's better. I would guess if he's still the same than Bananas is. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I actually was pretty impressed by Bananas on Ride or Dies. I thought he performed pretty well athletically throughout that season. It's funny he still hasn't seemed to figure out puzzles yet. In the amount of years he's been on the show, puzzles still stump him. You would have thought he would have, you know, been doing tangrams on his phone or something to figure that out. Uh, but I, I would guess it'll be really interesting to see what mentality Polly comes in at with here, right? If he can come on this beyond eleven Polly mode where he's screaming and fighting with people. I mean, the thing is, he was he was able to like cause mayhem and have all these rivalries and chaos and still basically make the final every season he was on before. So that has worked for him before. I, I'm just curious if he does that, or if he's going to be a bit more tempered in the house. I, I think he knows that if he's more tempered, well, it might strain a relationship with the cast. That is his best way to get back in with the show and get recast over and over and make that money that he needs to be a character. People like people don't like the Polly character, but he's great. It's just like Josh. Like no one likes the Josh character, although he seems to be like a fine guy in real life that he needs to be crying and yelling at all times. That's what gets you back on the show. Yeah. I remember so much when he, on World of the Worlds 2 specifically, everyone was like, oh, we can't have Polly and Cara anymore. We need them off the show entirely. I'm like, guys, you will miss them when they're gone. And I think that was very much the case. I mean, I, I miss, I, I mean, I don't think I want to see them together is the thing. Like I'm getting, and Cara is going to be what, on All-Stars 4? Yes. It'll be on All-Stars 4. Yeah, and then Polly's on this season. Like I like breaking it up like that a little bit that, it's almost like the Jordan and Tori thing where it just becomes too much of the same thing over and over. And then you just start actively. I mean, people don't seem to actively dislike Jordan, although he's just as culpable as Tori is in all of this in terms of that storyline getting beaten down. But at least Jordan takes seasons off. So then you kind of forget about him. And then when he comes back, you're happy to see him. I mean, this is what, like 10 in a row for Tori. Yeah, I think uh, the difference is between- eligible. I think the difference between Jordan and Tori, though, is, is, you know, Jordan's a clout chaser, but I also feel like he has a life outside the show. Like right now he's doing professional race car driving. I can't remember. He's like in the supercar series or some weird, you know, race car series out there. 
probably. Actually, I think it's on like Fox Sports 2, so it's even lower than the CW. Um, but then like Tori, she's like positioned as like the female face of the show post Kara, only she's not as good and not nearly as entertaining. And so I think there is a resentment factor that a large segment of the fan base has toward has towards. Well, I her. mean, everyone was saying the same thing about Johnny and Kara again a couple of years back that they need to take seasons off. And maybe that wasn't the worst thing for them. I just think whenever you're in that position where you have the female male face of the show, particularly when the seasons haven't been very good, there's just a lot of fan backlash that develops against you. Well, it doesn't seem like being, do you want to talk about toxic fandom? Like the challenge is bad. I went down this big brother rabbit hole the other day on Twitter <laughs> and it was mind boggling. They were accusing this guy of being a pedophile because he was dating a 22 year old. I, I feel like we, we just use words that don't, we don't know what they mean anymore. <laughs> it's just, I, I will say, I look, I'm somebody who obviously I'm on, I'm with Pat talking about the show right now on his net media network. So I'm not somebody who's not a fan of the show, but the people who like have the profile picture of the people from the show and just either go completely for or completely against people they've never met in real life or have had very tertiary small interactions with in real life. I just can't wrap my head around that. that that's so crazy. To me. I, yeah. I just want well, a good, I want a good TV show. That's all I want. Yeah. Well, that's part of the thing you see with Polly too, is it's crazy that it feels like being tempered is what gets you cast on the show now, right? Like it's great. Like so many of these people, be, the, them being problematic and causing drama, entertaining content was why they were on the show. And now it's why they're kicked off. Yeah. And that like in our rewatch of the Fresh Meat 2 right now, it's astounding. These rookies came in and just breathed fire into the show. They were partying and sloppy and messy and hooking up. And then sucking for the most part and a lot of the challenges and exiles, but it was so entertaining. Like they really brought it. And I just can't understand the shift unless, you know, just we're in a different, I, I, I call it the over-reliance on Twitter for feedback. You know what I mean? Like Twitter is, it's good for instant feedback and it is good for promotion. It is good to get your stuff out there. But there's a lot of just troll accounts that go out there and stir shit up. And that's not the real opinion of the majority of people watching your property. No, I, I completely agree. And maybe it is more for the challenge because it's a cable show. The ratings are significantly lower than just your overall season and episode of a Big Brother or a Survivor, mm -hmm. or even an Amazing Race. Like it's more of a niche show that it does seem like Rob said, like, you know, not all the people who are complaining on Twitter all the time or complaining on Reddit all the time are the basis of all of this. But it seems like there's a higher percentage of the audience that watches the challenge that are those people versus the other ones where it might be louder with Big Brother. But that's like 2% of the audience. And the other 98% don't give a shit about any of this. But yeah. they were like legitimately trying to get a guy thrown off the show because he was 35 and was dating a 22-year-old. Like, that's not how this works. <laughs> not at all. And it's like, you know, it's interesting, like the Big Brother fandom. So... Uh, one of my really good friends that lives in Virginia, her partner, he um, loves Big Brother, watches every season, would never dare watch the challenge. But the second he heard that members of the cookout were going to be on USA one, he was riveted to the TV every week. So it, it kind of shows to me that like the Big Brother fans, like they really do follow that cast where they go if they know about it. But here's the here's the kicker. Despite being a fan of Big Brother, he had never watched the challenge on MTV when Fessy and Josh and Morgan and those people were on there because it just wasn't he just doesn't pay attention to cable. But when he heard about Challenge USA, he was like, oh, I'll watch that. So it just shows the difference between cable and 
bigger broadcast networks too. I do think the accessibility of the show is an issue. One issue I think the show has is I don't think necessarily the quality of the product really generate dictates how much money they end up making from the product. Like I think they can put out a bad season all the time. We see if you just go back and look at the ratings, you'll see them these episodes be regarded as amazing episodes, great seasons that just ratings wise do not pick up. Like Fresh Me Too, which a lot of people like as a season, had historically really bad ratings when it aired. Um, and I think the show just from an accessibility standpoint, it is kind of hard to like bring people in from a concept perspective to the challenge compared to other shows. Like Survivor is a very easy pitch. You put a bunch of people on an island. They're going to work in scheme and get each other, Lord of the Flies style. You get to the end where one of them will get voted on, on as the winner. Break Brother, same thing, but just inside of a house. Amazing Grace, they're going to all these, you know, well-known locations that people want to travel to and go and complete all these tasks. Like, how, how do you pitch the challenge to one of your friends when you explain the show? I mean, I can't pitch it the same way that I used to, but I did sell a lot of people on the challenge back in the day. Rob, I think I sold you. I think you're doing this podcast. Did you did you hear about the challenge through me? Oh, yeah. No, I was watching your football content. And then I remember we were talking about football stuff. And you were saying, well, I don't have anything for that right now. But we have this show called The Challenge, which I'm too busy. So I can't run the fancy game for anymore. Do you want to just take that over? I was like, all right, sure. So I found it out that way. And then. Now, of course, I'm doing a show about the sh- uh, show about the challenge. Yeah, yeah I, we I passed 300 episodes now, Rob. You're considered a challenge expert now. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of pitching, it's like, you know, I, I would pitch it in the same sort of size, like physical competition, like weekly, like two people will face each other. One will go home in between. It's people drinking and having sex and fighting with each other. But they don't do that part anymore. So I don't know how to sell. Yeah. The way I used to sell it was recurring storylines revolving around reality-based competition and drama because what happened in the previous season does affect the next season, especially in the golden era when you were running Gauntlet 3 up through Rivals 2 and Free Agents. Stuff that happened the previous season played into the relationships and alliances and everything in the next season. It was really a unique reality show property because Survivor would do these all-star seasons, but the cast would be you know, several years removed from their previous season, or maybe there's just one or two people. Whereas on the challenge, it's like, Hey, half the cast was here last year, probably. So there's, there's issues still boiling to the surface from the previous season. So it was a lot easier sell to get people to watch it because every season mattered. Whereas with survivor, it's like, uh, I'm just going to skip this season. I'll see what they do next year. Do you think that it matters because the, the era that you're talking about is obviously my favorite. Basically, whatever era that you come into as a part of the show, I think you, you will consider to be the best era because you're of that time. And Tracy and I are around the same age. Rob is younger. And I like I remember watching real world seasons and be like, oh, I hope this guy goes to the challenge. And then mm-hmm. they would. So around, yeah, from basically you know fresh meat. I mean, I watched Inferno 2 live. Uh, so I've been mm-hmm. watching live since then, basically. And, and that's you know, a good time to jump in because that's kind of where the entire series modernizes in a lot of mm-hmm. ways for that period until it modernizes again. But we didn't see the people like why people hated Cara Maria. She was on, what, 10 seasons in a row. Why do people hate Tori right now? Because she's been on six or seven in a row. That that just never happened then. You'd see a lot of recurring characters. But usually if you were on one season, it'd be very very small chances that you'd be on the next season, which was good. I, I feel like even a really big character is usually on like a two out of two out of three, three out of four type plan where there'd be a break from them every couple of seasons, which now, mm-hmm. I mean, some of these people are just running it back, running it back, running it back without any sort of break. And, and I don't yeah. begrudge them for doing that. You get, I mean, hell, Tori's probably getting 100K just to show up or something like that. Like, why wouldn't you take the bag? Why does Anissa keep showing up? She gets the money at this point, you know? Like, there it is. 
And the other thing, too, is is people used to talk about like the J.E.K., which for those of you who don't know, that's Johnny, Evan and Kenny. They complain, oh, they run every season. Well, they were only really on three seasons together where they worked together. I mean, they were on the duel, but Johnny was gone. Kenny and Evan weren't working together on the duel. You fast forward to Gauntlet 3. Oh, they're all three back together again. But Johnny's gone pretty fast. So really, the only seasons where all three of them worked together was the Ruins and Rivals. Now, granted, usually you had Johnny and Kenny together or sometimes I don't even think Evan and Kenny did a season without Johnny. So like everybody that complains about that era really doesn't think back to the way the cast was structured back then. You didn't do five seasons in a row. You might do one or two and then get one or two off. Like even Bananas, he did the island and then you didn't see him again until the ruins so you got some time off and like i think the big thing that goes through it is that these are still reality tv characters and i felt like the people were more of a character 10 years ago when they weren't completely afraid to lose their jobs because they did something on the show that was like terrible or said something that was terrible like it's not that you couldn't lose your spot on the show because you were an absolute scumbag but that was sort of more encouraged behavior back then because it made for better tv frankly like I, I don't tune mm-hmm. into the challenge to see my heroes and my moral compass i tune on to see yeah. shitty people do shitty things and like entertain me like why was the jersey shore so popular because of that <laughs> snooki got punched in the fucking face on jersey shore like <laughs> I, there's no way that would air the today there was an episode of just the real world portland where naya attacked jordan with a hairdryer tried to bash him in the head like it wasn't that long ago that that was the way reality TV was. And now it's like very sanitized compared to where we were. I mean, God forbid you go back to 1999 on some of the real world road rules properties where they're having pregnancy scares on real world Vegas one. I mean, I think that's just a larger community wide thing. Though. Everyone's now like knowing about just things being possible to be sped online and I can come back to bite you in some certain way. Like it almost me and my friends. Like we're in a we're in an area where a lot of people are employed by like federal intelligence contract. A lot of people have government work, whether certain they they will go through your back and they will check all your social media and all that stuff. So I think people are just kind of known to condition the ways to certain selves, particularly when they know that we can be filmed. But I think this is where Bravo has really stepped in and created a huge market for themselves because their shows kind of feel like reality shows from 15 years ago. Oh, for sure. I mean, you could even say that about the learning channel, which used to be about, you know, learning things. Now they're showing MILF manner. So, you know, it's trashy TV is still for, out there. It's crazy what the acronym for TLC is, right? <laughs> is, is it still the learning channel? Right? It is still that they just call it TLC, but it stands for the learning channel and they just rebranded to TLC. You're well, they, learning they, about MILF manner. So I guess technically you're, they're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, one of my friends is a big fan of the show Crack Addicts doing that show on TLC. Is that the actual name of a show? <laughs> That's an actual. It's a, it's a, it's a, do you guess what it's about? Crack Addicts? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's an easy pitch. I'm developing a reality it's a, show. It, it, I, I'm developing a reality show right now. And like one of the things that we talked about is like, how do we name this so people I can identify exactly what this is about? And we were like, yeah. we, we ended up landing on a title. It's like, all right, that works. Yeah. Yeah. Crack is about reason. chiropractors, by the way. It's not actually about people. Oh, well, that sucks. And now you've taken my point and stolen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the point. Is they loop you in with like, wow, what are these people going to be up to? And then it's like, oh, she's just like cracking somebody's shoulder. Yeah. People still tune in anyways. But yeah, TLC also has a like what Dr. Pimple Popper. It's just her popping giant zits. Yeah. And I, don't, that's a I, show. I just don't. 
I don't get that world. That that is not my scene. That's not my scene. People love that fucking show. I know it's all over the frick on HBO Max or Max, whatever the hell it's called this week. Like it's been like front and center on my banner is Doctor Pimple Popper, and I'm just like, what the hell is? Why is this here? I used to watch The Sopranos here. Now Doctor Pimple Popper's in my face. So, but anyway, uh, yeah. So kind of the other piece of this conversation with the the branding, you know, the challenge is like a really strong name. But I think the other twist to that is how do you get across what the challenge is? And so having this conversation, it's like that survivor makes sense. Big brother makes sense. Love Island makes sense. The challenge is a brand name, but to someone who's never heard of it, what's the challenge? Oh, you know what? What's the challenge? I had a point that I was trying to make a little bit earlier and I kind of glossed over it by rambling on as I do that Rob like the three of four seasons, two of four seasons, every second season, whatever it is, that I felt like those people had more character to them anyway, but you still kind of divvied it up uh, because it's kind of like the the Creed and the Office type thing, where if you featured Creed every single week on the Office, you'd get sick of Creed because he just doesn't have that much character. And I even think like from that golden era of the show, these people didn't have that much character, but you didn't see them as much. So you were happy to see them. Whereas now, when you get the same people who have even less character every season and you don't get a break, that's what's really hurting everything. I, I agree. Plus, when you combine that with the, the sort of hallmark style of editing that they do now, where it's just a lot of this are the same showing over and over and over and over and over again, um, it, it just doesn't work. Like, you're not getting any, dyna- you're, you're not getting any dynamism in the storyline already. And when you're having the same principal characters come up again and again and again, the storyline just becomes so exhausting. I mean, yeah. there's also the elephant in the room with the main show as well, that it became a victim of its own success because it started doing pretty well and consistent numbers over time. They're like, well, let's take this from 10, 10 episodes that are an hour long to 13 that are an hour long. Well, how about 13 that are 90 minutes long? How about 19 that are 90 minutes long? There's just not that much compelling content to put on TV. It's crazy too. Cause you hear that. And then you also hear about how there's like, 18 things that the cast talked about that happened on the season actually seemed pretty interesting and funny. And it still doesn't make air somehow, even with as much air, uh, content as they're putting out there. And it's it is and like the locations that they've picked, like a one-off season, like Total Madness, sure. Something like that. And I know a lot of it had to do with COVID restrictions. And I know that you guys talk about this a lot on your show. And it's always something that I've always hammered down on is that I enjoy the show more when people are having fun, which usually means in the sun, having drinks, bikinis, in the pool, that kind of thing. For sure. Nobody wants total madness where the catch is just like lying around, barely wanting to move when they're not during missions. Yeah. Yeah. And so to key up on one last thing you said there for a second ago about the cast, the show works best when you've got superstars at the top, but your supporting cast is equally important and has storylines. Like when we talk about Pat, our golden era, Dunbar was a huge side character, but he was never the main character, but he had storylines. I mean, he had his Paula issues. You had him being grumpy on the island. You had his argument with Kellyanne on the ruins. Like these side supporting characters still played a role. And if you look at it from a pro wrestling standpoint, you had your curtain jerkers like Danny Jameson and Tyree, who everybody knew was never going to win, but they would provide something entertaining for you at the beginning of the season while they were still around. You know, Tyree passing out on the toilet in Rivals 2 is still one of the funniest things I've ever seen on reality TV, as well as his hookup with Jasmine on Rivals 1. Some of that stuff is just dynamite content. 
makes me laugh, entertains the hell out of me, but I know he'll be gone next episode. So it's fine. But the challenge works best when you have a balanced cast that can give you quality content. And it's always fun to see that too. That's why it's funny that's really been Josh who's been kept around in that role because mm-hmm. he's never really been elevated to because he's not that great of a competitor. He's more of a personality. But I would think like, I think Paula, Sarah and Kara are kind of the best examples of this where they were just on the show a lot. No one knew if they were any good or not. They weren't huge personalities, but because they were on every second season or whatever it was, they started getting better and they kind of evolved into being some of the best people on the show. And then they got to the mm-hmm. pinnacle and they wouldn't stop doing the show. I mean, I'm kind of glad that Paula got herself out uh, based on like what she was going through in her personal life. She seems to be very happy now, but like Paula was a character. That's really all she was. She was a good competitor, not a great competitor until we got a little bit later on when she kind of got her shit together a little bit and got two amazing partners to win seasons. But like she wasn't a primary focus of the show really ever, but she always had her own standalone storylines, which was great. Chris is that number one female competitor of all time, by the way, Paula. What's that? I did. I, he I was on that show. That. We, we talked about oh, it. Yeah, you were on that show. He was um, on the show. <laughs> I forgot you were on that show. Uh, what, what do we think, like, when we watched the first episode, first two episodes this season, what are sort of, like, the four or five things we're looking for in those episodes? Like, okay, they, they got something right here. Like, we, we think they're moving in a good direction. I just want to see someone in someone's face pointing and yelling and potentially throwing a drink. Thank you, Amanda. That, that, that's probably where that's going to come from. That's my big thing. I really feel, think the show thrives on rivalries, on interpersonal relationships that have a lot of heat going between each other. Sometimes that can be kind of up and down from a friends to enemies perspective, like a Laurel and Cara situation. But I think when you look at the best seasons of the show, so much of that is motivated by two cast members just going at each other and having an issue with each other. I think that's what's been lacking a lot. So we just haven't had dynamic rivalries the past couple of seasons. Um, so I, I would hope to see sort of the burgeoning storylines of two or three people who really do not like each other and are going to be working to get each other out throughout the season. So I just give me like the the quick like 10 second pitch on some of these people. Like Michaela was on one episode of the challenge. I thought she was going to be really good, but she was gone instantly. She should be good. She was she was a lot of drama on her season of Survivor. Um, she's somebody who should be pretty athletic too. She should be a good competitor. I think if she's given the chance, I think she could really show up. What she what team is she on, Trace? She's on green. Okay. Thanks, Trace. Sorry then. I didn't really I wouldn't have known the answer to that question anyway, Pat. <laughs> All right. Uh Cassidy Clark looks kind of hot. Uh you know more about her than I would, Trace. Yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> Is that it? Like, um, she had, I mean, she had for the little bit I did read about her, she had some weird like MMA type background. So maybe she'll be like fighting with people and stuff. Uh Luis Colon or Cologne. Maybe is he Bartolo's son? Yeah, so he's actually the other sleeper I've got from Amazing Race. So he was excellent on his Amazing Race season, and I think he's the guy that Wes is going to pick as his number two to kind of help run his team. He's really smart, really athletic, and he was one of the people that put together, like one of the challenges they had on Amazing Race is they had to assemble a motorcycle, and he was the first person to figure out assembling the motorcycle on that episode. And so I think from athletic and puzzles, if he has someone like Wes to guide him, he's a sleeper. He also was saying if this is like a gauntlet two where they have to build a bike and stuff, then the green team's got a huge advantage. I forgot about that shot, man. I I think I'm just going to go back and watch gauntlet two instead of watching this good season. I love gauntlet (laughs) two. It is good. Like if you had to like power rank, maybe this is one that you guys can really dig into when you're looking for your lists in the off season, although not much of an off season anymore. Challenge Chronicles 
podcast, by the way. You can get the link down in the description of my show if you're looking for that. But is that the season where the cast is legitimately having the most fun? That and Gauntlet 3. Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think I'll, I don't buy into it as nearly as much as you guys do on Gauntlet 3. I think there's Rob smoking dope on this one. Gauntlet I, I 3. Oh, man. Gauntlet 3 just little... seemed like a party. It was a <laughs> the, giant party. The Lucky's party. team hated each other. They were constantly yelling at each other throughout that whole season. Yeah, but Rob, everything you have to on that season was that great. Sometimes people like to argue with each other, they find that fun. I just again, I, if you go back and watch that season, I, I think that there's a lot of toxicity burbling underneath the surface. Gauntlet two, I would definitely be. Gauntlet seems like a very fun season. Yeah, Inferno two seems like a lot of fun too. Yeah, I think it was just a stretch of seasons where just the main, the main sort of fulcrum of the cast, and a lot of positivity, and uh, everyone was willing to just have a good time. Inferno yeah. one is probably also one of the big fun party oh, seasons as yeah. well. I mean, that elimination between was it Leah and Kendall. Ken- where everybody's hammered and what's his name runs naked through the elimination. Uh, David Burns, yeah. I mean that there's a and then you've got CT in a thong during the cruise ship challenge. Like there's a lot of fun going on in that era. There's a lot of downtime in that season. There's a lot of fun moments too. And they were in Mexico and they were like allowed to leave the house. So they would like leave and from what I allegedly heard, go buy drugs and alcohol and you know consume them at the house. And that also added to some of the drama. Just saying. That's great. It sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, Tyler Crispin from Big Brother 20 and Big Brother 22. Is this, does he have a fucking ring around? Oh, no. He has a necklace with a ring on. Is that his Pwamis wing? Uh, I have no idea about that. But I, um, no I, I will say he was the runner up on Casey's season of Big Brother. A lot of people felt he should have won that did, season. Did, did people look at uh, his fucking bracelets and were like, yeah, no thanks, pal. Take a hike. <laughs> so he was dating Angela, I think. From uh, USA, USA one. Oh, I, you're I right. believe that was kick this guy off they, and get her bond. She was great. They broke up. Well, we don't need to see uh, this guy ever again. Then <laughs> people were excited to see him come on. So I have no clue what that situation is going to develop into. But I, I think he'll at least be interesting to see on the show. Back to this uh, Luis guy. Do you have a picture? Do you guys are you looking at a picture of Luis? Um, I, mean, I know what he looks like. I know yeah. what he looks like. Yeah. When I go to the barber shop, uh, when I first moved to Toronto. Uh, apparently I lived in little Portugal and didn't even know it just where I got a place and walked around and they gave me this haircut when I told them what I wanted. And I was like, what have you done to me? It does. It doesn't, it doesn't look good on me. It looks I good on not him. Picture it does not you look good with on me. Yeah. I can't imagine that haircut, especially you being on camera. I'd just gone and done exactly what you have now. As soon as I saw that haircut, I was going to say, did you just buzz that afterwards or what'd you do? Well, I couldn't cause they put the stupid line in my oh. head. Oh, man, you had wow. to just ride it out for a month. Yeah, I just had to wait for my hair to grow back. And I was like, I look like an idiot. <laughs> now, that would be like me though. getting a fade. It just wouldn't work. You should get the uh, Patrick Mahomes broccoli haircut. That's so influential with children I mean, of Rob's age. I'm literally going to get a haircut today, which is why I have the hat. But it's like you can't see it because of the hat hair. But my, it's so humid in Alabama right now. My hair just poofs out like an afro if I don't wear a hat. So Michelle's on the show, Rob. Are me and you like the Michelle's two biggest fans? Uh, I shouldn't think I'm one of her biggest fans. I love Michelle. I'm very happy she's on. I don't. I, I think most people are pretty in on Michelle at this point. I, I, the the only episodes that have been entertaining in the past couple seasons are episodes where she's at the center of it. She just. It's funny you compared her to Kellyanne one time, which I think is a pretty good comparison. I think she's a little bit more strategic than Kellyanne is, but she's definitely got the vibe of somebody who people might like personally, but they'll still find some reason to have a problem with her on the show. So yeah. I'm very happy she's seen. When, when I said that she was a lot like Kellyanne, Kellyanne, who you know near and dear to my heart, Kellyanne, especially from those old seasons. But 
she has a flightiness, Michelle and Kellyanne do, to them where like, oh, they're kind of aloof in a weird way and they're non-committal in a weird way. And it seems like they change their mind every 20 seconds. Like they want to do what's right and what they set out to do, but they can't figure out what that is exactly. It's why I think Michelle is actually better suited to the challenge than Survivor. I know she won her season of Survivor, but I still can't wrap my head around quite how she did it. I think she kind of fell into that win more than she like was just this amazing strategic player because it was clear on Winners at War, they were just using her as a vote and then a scapegoat by the time they got to the end. And so I think she's better suited to the drama and like you said, the the almost like uncertain aloofness and because the cast is fed and there's alcohol involved it kind of ratchets up the drama with her so i think she's way better suited for the challenge than she ever was for survivor that's just my I know, opinion she, she won one season of the survivor and made the final of the all winners season of Survivor. so I, I think she can definitely be more competent than it has come across in these past couple of seasons but look she's just somebody who Seems to find her way into interesting rivalries, which is what I want on people. I want people who are fighting with Laurel, fighting with Amanda. I don't want people who are just like hanging out. Yeah, I, I agree. Like she finds her way to get into conflict, which is amazing. Also, Mega Babe, love it. I, I agree with that too. Uh, uh, so you asked for like the 10 second pitch of the four things we want to look for. So I think Amanda just arguing with everybody is on the table. If she has an argument in the first episode, we're on a good path. Um, I think the other thing is no explosions. Yeah, no. Well, like that's that. going to happen. That's that's happening. Like the pyro's coming. Uh, How much of their budget they spend on that? It's it's, gotta be, it's definitely way too much. It's way too much. You would be shocked if you well, heard the number. Well, well, Trace, you work for Big America uh, when it comes to I corporations. Do. That and I mean anyone out there who works this kind of job knows when it comes to budgets for things. If you don't spend your budget one year you don't get an increase in your budget the following year. So if you don't yeah. use all the explosion budget, well, you're never getting it again. Yeah. It's the and Michael so, Scott. We need to get the chairs or the uh, printers so that the, they don't take the money from our budget the next year. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, the other thing I look for, did Polly and Bananas make a preseason or did that become a byproduct of this season? Because they're very chummy on Twitter and in pictures that I have seen on social media. So I'm worried a little bit about did they squash their beef prior to the season? Because if they did, there might not be nearly as much conflict on the red team as there could be. Um, But if the beef was not squashed until the course of the show, then we're in again for some good content. I would think that there's probably more animosity between Polly and Josh than Polly and Bananas. I never really thought that there was that much between them in terms of like Bananas... It just seemed like people didn't like Polly because he was super annoying. Not that they personally disliked him. I think, I think there was some personal distaste towards the end when maybe. you hear about the rumors of the cast like banging together to get him like not allowed to be on the show. Anymore. We don't even don't know that. There's... That's all a rumor. It's just like when people are blacklisted and they're not getting calls. They're getting fucking calls. I will say that I'm usually with you on that stuff. I think with that one specifically, there was a bit more credibility where sharks were swirling enough for all i think i buy into that a little bit more there's some yeah. other conspiracy and conspiracy i think most of the problems show. between bananas and polly were really problems between bananas and cara and polly was just kind of gaslit by cara to amp it up a little more like i don't that's, that's my guess my speculation i think that bananas and polly would probably get along fine if car wasn't there stoking the fire yeah we'll see how that ends up playing out uh, Dusty Harris from Amazing Race 33, who you mentioned earlier, should be pretty good. 
mm-hmm. thing I don't want to see happen early in the season is like, oh, here's our big brother alliance. Here's our survivor alliance. Like I just, and here's our challenge people alliance, which I mean, fucks the amazing race people because there's two of them to begin with. <laughs> but like, I just, I, I don't like that as a part of the show. And maybe people do. It's just not for me. I think the people who come in with one of those groups that are really repping, like if you're just a big survivor person or a big Love Island person, I can see where they kind of buy into those narratives. I, I think it'll be a bit more dynamic than that, though. I think enough of these people just don't get along or it's not going to be so formulaic. It's OK, here's the challenge. Here's the big brother. Here's the survivor. They're all in one group. The only way that works, Pat, is if you do a season where you're specifically going team big brother versus team survivor versus team challenge. Aside from that, that narrative doesn't fly for me either. I'm with you. Uh, Chanel Howell from Survivor 42. I'm not a fan. Don't like her, huh? You seem like she should be pretty capable, right? I don't know. She was just really, really annoying on her Survivor season, and so I'm not excited. Eh, We need somebody who's a little bit annoying sometimes. Amira Jones, Big Brother 24. Great eyes. But yeah, I, she uh, tell me. she was like known as like the villain of her Big Brother season. She had a pretty big role and then was voted out kind of early. She was like the person who was the titan of the season, who's con- you know the puppet master controlling everything, and then was voted out early from what I can gather. Oh, I just got an email from Cameo telling me to get back on Cameo for fantasy football season. <laughs> How much money do you think Cust would make on Cameo? He could do pretty good. On I feel he like actually he- would do pretty good because your Twitter feed is mostly people wanting Cust to do stuff. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the thing is, too, because it'd be a two-pronged cameo thing with him. You have people who would ask him to talk about how, you know, um, the Nuggets are going to do really good in the NBA this year, or how, you know, the Clippers are a lock to make the NBA finals because they're obviously trying to have the reverse of those outcomes happen. But you'd also have people who just wanted to try to, like, say, hey, can you make a French toast? Can you make a French toast recipe on a cameo? Can you do, you know, pitch a tent on cameo? Just do like these random activities on cameo just to watch him attempt to do them. So I, I think he, he would be very profitable. That's honestly your reality show right there is Cuss tries to do stuff. We, we've we've pitched this like four times in the past six years. Cuss does is the name of the show. But he, he won't go. do any of it. But he could cl- make a lot of money he, if he did. He really <laughs> won't do it, but he like claims he can do most of these things. Yeah, I mean, that's the way he continued to claim that he can do most of these things is by never attempting them. I guess that's fair. So yeah, the real question, Pat, is how does he actually do on the golf course? Because I I mean, I, I shot my worst round of the year this morning, so that was not good. I, I'm not good at playing golf at seven o'clock in the morning. That's just no one is. Bag. You I, have I to have a couple like beers 10 in you. Ten o'clock. Yeah. I need to go and warm up. I was like late getting to the course. I was kind of hungover from last night and just no practice shots and just woods, woods, woods. I was like, oh, my God. And I played yesterday, too. So I was very stiff coming, coming through. I need to loosen up my hips a little bit. Gust Gus used to be like a legit 88 to 92 golfer. Now he's a legit 98 to 110 golfer. I don't know what happened. It just fell out of practice, I guess. He's playing just as much. Everyone else that we know got better and he somehow got worse. (laughs) So Alyssa Lopez, I just don't have a time. Alyssa Lopez is back. I don't remember her actually being good at stuff besides not getting voted in until the very end. Last she, she was fine. She had her big moment. I would say, I think she had at least one mission win. And then she also won that elimination with Leo where they had to like put the, uh, like the trivia mission where they had like put the, the things up, which yeah. I'm winning with Leo when he was going up against Kyle and just, I think it's pretty good. Um, I liked her on the show. I thought she was good TV. I think she'll be kind of, I don't know that she'll be super out in front from a TV perspective. Like, I don't think she'll be a huge character, but as as a background character, I think you're doing a lot worse. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like her a lot. John, John, I love her. There. I love her because I just like seeing her on my TV. Yeah, you know, I think she's pretty hot. Just yeah, saying. This is, 
This is a very attractive cast. I will say it, it is a very a, it's there's it's another very, show you guys attractive most cast. attractive cast. There you go. I mean, this one even improves. Like, like I said, Josh looks like he's in pretty good shape. He's far more attractive these days than he was five years ago. He had a lot of baby fat on him several years ago. Like he just looked kind of like that weird transition phase. A lot of men go through where they're just kind of husky until they lean out. Well, the secret thing with all these casts, even this cast, what's the, who's the youngest person on this cast? Are they like below 26? I don't know. How, How old do you think Josh is? We looked this up once. He's older than you think he is. He's like 34 or 35. No, he, no he's younger no, no, than you no, no, think no, no, he is. No. He's only 20. No, really. I would say like 20. He's only 29. I, say, I think he's 29. I don't think he's well, that That makes sense then why four years ago he seemed like a puppy who hadn't quite grown into his paws yet. So that see, makes I, see, I don't sense. think about I don't think so. I think that like he finally came to the realization like if I don't work out, like I legit have no sh- like we just saw that Anissa could have won a season with Jordan on Ryder. <laughs> That's with, fair. With yeah. the way that it was that structured. still makes my brain hurt, by the way, that but, that. But all Josh is now, it's like, what if I actually got into shape and I am gifted one of those opportunities? Like, I could win if I'm in decent shape. So I mean, if this... Devin can win a season, Josh can win a season. But Devin's another one. Like, Devin got into pretty good shape. Yeah, but he wasn't like, he was in good shape. I don't want to disparage him because he did get in better shape. But when you still look at him, he just looks like the normal guy you might see at the coffee pot at the office in a lot of well, cases. I mean... Maybe, but you're also comparing him next to like he's also constantly standing next to people who are ripped and in great Jordan. shape too. <laughs> well, I was I was gonna say because like like I, I look I I work I have probably active for like between three and four hours a day. I I work out a lot. I eat a very good diet. Like I'm in pretty good shape. But like I always struggle with where average person who's in good shape would kind of rank on the show because my my perception from an outsider perspective, I actually think Josh and Dev would be put them amongst regular people who actually be in very, very good shape. I would think I would think they're like top twenty percent. Of people on the show or people in real life? In real no, life. People in real life. Yeah. Like but people I, what I'm saying is I don't, I don't think that Josh was. I don't think Josh had ever mm-hmm. worked out a day in his life before he got on the challenge. And I don't think he'd actually like put the research and like actually worked out. He might have like picked he up. He might have jogged, but he wasn't lifting yeah. weights and watching his macros. I mean, he most definitely was not jogging. <laughs> no. And I, 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 would, I would say now I would say, he, yeah, he's probably if you just grab a bunch of random people in his age bracket, he probably isn't like the top 20 percent or so. So this Tiffany Mitchell from Big Brother 23 is 42 years old. Yeah, she was a so she was on USA one. She was on it for a couple episodes from that season. She was a big star coming off of her Big Brother season. I will say that. Um, her big brother season was known as like being one of the best seasons in a while, had a lot of nerds people really bought into. Um, she and Kylan were two characters that people really took to from that season. I'm very surprised by the Kylan ended up as an alternate for this season. He wasn't actually on the main cast. Isn't so he on, a lot of people? Isn't he on season 39? He's on 39. So that's probably why. Well, Michelle is too. Yeah, but Michelle's you know, one survivor. I yeah, I, I guess. I, I I would I would I wouldn't have I was surprised to not see him here. I would I would have thought he would have made it on. Yeah, but I, mean, I think Tiffany will have a narrative while she's here at the very least. It's, I think she'll have to score more fantasy points than she has a chance than winning the show. And just your your hookup points are gonna be pretty low when you're 42. There's plenty of other things people do. That's not even really a big generator of points anymore. So I'll just about fights yeah. and politics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I there's a you know, if you're paying attention to Instagram, there's some spoilers on hookups from as4 floating out there that are actually together and living together now that was in, that was news to me the other day oh they're not li- expected that they're living because i i saw that pop up they're living together that's what i was told and i was glad to see her back and him back too actually both i was real excited so when you when people watch the season they'll figure it out pretty quick yeah so we still have desi from last season who i really liked uh fessy slam ball participant fessy is on the show Monty Taylor, you said mentioned, was he a personal trainer? He looks like he's in good shape. 
and Tiffany. That was it. That's the entire cast. So do we think one of the like actual challenge people is going to win? Uh, that's the funny thing I'm trying to figure out is where would you set the odds for this? And I think this is the, the best se- outcome for this season is if Polly and then like Polly and like Amanda win. That would that would that's the optimal outcome from oh. an entertainment perspective. Well, let's talk about that. I actually have the optimal winner for the men. I don't know who it would be for the women, but best case scenario for this show, I think, is if Corey wins. Why? Because I need to hear this. Yeah, because. There's a reason that they pushed it. Man, they made Corey the face of the show at one they point. They did. Despite the fact he that was he was on never... the billboard with bananas in Times Square. He's people like Corey a lot. Like women find him very attractive, very, very handsome man. Uh, almost anyone you talk to is kind of the Cam Newton effect and the Kurt Warner effect in a weird way. Just women love those two people. They love Corey. So he has broad appeal that way. And just challenge fans know him, know him as kind of like a perpetual loser but like a fun character, at least he was back in the day. It's just they know they can put a marketing machine behind Corey. And this is his chance right now to reinvent himself in front of a whole new audience. And he's just, he's younger than Wes. He's younger than Bananas. Like one of those guys winning, I think is actually bad for this show. My thing would be, I don't know them winning necessarily forbears that they're going to become like a hallmark star of the show that everyone's going to rally around. Like Tori and Devin just won Rider Dies, and no, I don't think anybody's like, oh, we need to see them like leading the show for the next couple of years. No, but this is yeah. on CBS now, right? Yeah. So presumably more more people will watch and more new people will watch. And if you can mm. create a star out of Corey, and it's not like people don't know him. He's on Teen Mom, he's been on the challenge, he's been on the real world, he's still young enough. He's a guy that you can push and put on a billboard, even when he's kind of a jabroni. Mm-hmm. If he's actually good at something, I think it's good for the show. Yeah. And the other story that they also have here is right either before it was sometime either before or after this, you know, his girlfriend gave birth to the baby that's had all the heart problems. And so he's been in and out of the hospital with her. So I would imagine that that's going to be part of his storyline as well. And I think that's going to endear him to a lot of people now that you've said all of that, you know, you combine all of those things. Corey winning might actually drive ratings up. And it's weird to say that out loud because people would rally behind his story. I really didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Like, like there's no reason for Corey to be on this show at this point, based on everything that he's done on the challenge. His one thing is that people like him. And Mm -hmm. if he was good, that'd be great. Yeah. That's interesting thought. Cause I was in the court that the best case scenario for the show would be Polly winning just because he would, they'd be forced to bring him back more and it would create more tension. But now that you've said it, I'm like, no, actually Corey winning would be great. Or Corey needs to do what he's done in multiple seasons and make it to the last elimination and just lose in agonizing fashion. So that when he comes back next time, everybody's begging for Corey to win. I suppose I can see the the idea from like a larger narrative. What's best for the show idea. I just think Polly's the most entertaining. If yeah, but, around to the but like you're now working under the impression that Polly needs to win in order to come back ever again. I don't think that's going to be the case. No, I think he's bought enough goodwill now where it's just going to depend on his behavior this season, the yeah. cast perception. Of so if it's so, if so, he doesn't need to win. No, I just mean I, do, I would very much enjoy a season where Polly ends up the winner. I think that's just the narrative of that season turns out in a manner where I feel like his Instagram would be hilarious if he wins. Like he would be, he'd be surrounded by half naked women. He'd be drinking champagne. <laughs> like he, it would be a very entertaining news cycle if he won. That's for sure. But it's like a customer did a cartwheel, right? That's basically what we'd be watching. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, I, I'm pro Polly winning at some point, but I just think for yeah. the. 
for the first because challenge usa one felt like kind of a pilot episode to a tv show because none of the challenge people were on it people weren't really familiar with the format of what happens what happens on the challenge but it did decent enough ratings that you're going to get a lot of people who are now returning to the show for the first time and now the challenge seems like like this cast is putting a better foot forward than challenge usa did so this feels like the first real season of challenge usa in front of the cbs audience so having like a good guy winner that people can rally around not even think Corey's like a great guy it's just people like him so if people like him and you can push that up it's better than polly who people like actively dislike winning that's true what do you what do you make of the fact that just the finals have done recently have had so many issues do you think there's any like larger reason for that or is it just kind of their execution's been bad execution's been bad like they they're, yeah. they're trying to do too much you don't need to do that much in a fucking final it doesn't need to be four days long it is Let's really go back, like go back and watch the rivals two final. That's what you need. Go back and watch the fresh meat two final. That's what you need. Go back and watch cutthroat. That's what you need. A one day. Here's the start. Here's the finish. Go. I I, li- I do really like the fresh meat two final. I, I'm excited when you guys finally get there. Yeah, it's, it's you're absolutely right. Like here is our starting point. And TGS points at the top of one of the mountains and whistles like that's where you need to get to. First one See there it. wins. Yep. It, with these challenge finals, it is the one thing in my life where I feel like I'm like an InfoWars correspondent watching it sometimes. Where you go back and with the All Stars two final, and it's like they were manipulating the background, so it was actually daytime when it was actually nighttime, and then the people didn't finish in this certain order. They air all these things out of whack. MJ and Janae in a truck being driven around half the final because it screwed it up so badly. It's like, man, how, how is this this difficult to pull off? Yeah, and that's the one thing I am worried about the ratings for USA 2 is the people that invested in USA 1, the vitriol to the the final for people that had never watched the challenge before was pretty big. They were like, I don't want to see these people die. It looks like they're going to die. And then it looks like whoever the two people that won, won only because they could figure out a Sudoku Sudoku. And on top I mean, of could that, they, could they the, actually figure out a Sudoku? That's the other question is, is that they felt like were they just they needed winners so production said just go like that there, there was a lot of conspiracy among people that had never watched the challenge party usa one that walked away with a really bad taste in their mouth from that final so i will be curious think, to see if some of those people come back do you think that actually makes people not watch though like is anybody really not tuning into the next season because of that i think if anything it just drives up interest in the more of well, behind the scenes content. the one thing that worries me about a lot of those people not coming back is the time slot thursday at 10 p.m eastern i know it's going to be you know, there's not other original programming out there, but it's on Thursday. So they're going to be going up against the NFL for a few weeks. That scares me. Granted, that's on Amazon Prime, so it might not be that bad. Also, what do you think is the crossover audience there? Honestly, because I, 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 I mean, the, the NFL is the most popular thing on TV. This we know. Mm-hmm. But I would say that it has the least amount of crossover with reality TV in terms of. I would agree. I, I would think with the challenge specifically, I think if they're actually trying to make the show what it was, that, that it should have a bit more crossover. No, yeah. but the way I watch the I show, mean, is I like, go on like, maybe, and again, this is me just using an echo chamber uh, to prove my point here. But like, just go on to the challenge Reddit. These people seem like they haven't been outside in twenty years. Well, but I should say, like, how many people in the fantasy football industry do you know that also watch the challenge? That like the challenge? Yeah, no. there's some at least, right? Eight. <laughs> and that's not. I don't think that's insignificant. Compared to like the average, like for my friends, were basically none of the very few of them actually heard of the show at all for before in my age bracket. Uh, I, I would think the show's actually like in the ideal form of how I see the show. Obviously, part of why I like the show is I like looking at people a lot of different people, right? You have the dramatic parts, but you have the relationship drama, you have the political aspect of people strategizing against each other. You also have the athletic competition where you can air the competition in a way 
like a lot of why I look at it is like okay, this is athletic competition, but filmed in a way closer to a movie or a more dramatic product, but still actual competition. So I think if the show actually works as the way it should, it should be able to pull from almost any demographic. Yeah. The one thing that gives me hope with it, though, so I'll finish the little thought there. The fact that their lead in is Big Brother really helps the show keep going on um, Thursday night in its time slot, because I think there's a bigger crossover of people that will watch Big Brother and the challenge than there are people that will watch Survivor and the challenge. And season one of USA, they arguably had much bigger Survivor names than they do this season. So I don't know how much of the Survivor audience you're going to pull, but I think you're going to get a good pull of Big Brother because when you look at the names they've got from Big Brother, I mean, they've got a bunch of former winners. They've got some popular characters from that. Um, I think that that's probably going to be its biggest lifeline is the fact that it's got so much big brother tied to it i think that makes a lot of sense survivor's still like much bigger in the ratings than all these shows right Mm -hmm. i would think so i think survivor and bachelor kind of stand alone as reality tv properties but i would guess that the demo age demo for survivor is much older way older yeah and that tracks like my grandma would watch survivors not watching big brother but, no, yeah, I, I can say something about a lot of people. But to kind of put that into context, like she's also not going to watch the challenge either. So I think you're right, Trace, that the crossover audience between Big Brother and and the challenge is just far more logical. Yeah, so it makes sense to me to really lean into the Big Brother aspect of the the cast because that will pull that will pull some of the audience. I don't think Survivor is going to really move this needle a whole lot unless you bring in a Russell Hands or a Boston Rob or like that's, that's just not a happen. truly big but name. Boston Rob's like 50 something, isn't he? It's still, he would draw. That's the thing. But Boston you'd also draw. have to think you, you, <laughs> you got to draw. Where's uh, Amber? Is Amber my lifeline? What show am I on? <laughs> guy sucks. The, the, the key is though, to get those big names on Survivor, the paycheck to just show up is going to have to be bigger. And I think that the the dollar ratio of what you get for paying a a known Big Brother contestant versus a known Survivor contestant is a much lower dollar figure. I, I would agree, and I don't even know if having having Boston Rob on the challenge would even move the needle at all, because like you said, it's just not the same demo. Yeah, I think people it, would tune in for half the first episode. Maybe yeah. I, there's some that would tune in, but I don't even think Boston Rob's the right guy. I I think you'd have to go Russell Han- No, Russell, uh, the guy who's in jail, Hatch. Get him. Pat, yeah. Oh, Richard Hatch, Hatch yeah. But he that would be, naked. he would draw. He'd be terrible on the show, but he would draw. Yeah, he's I think you could get some now. money out of Coach. I think you could get some money easily out of Tyson because I think a lot of that rating was tied to Tyson last year from the Survivor it sucks side. They screwed him over so much and he won't come back. And that was my, I have, there's enough, you can cut, Rob, you can cut someone a big enough check that will come back. Come on yeah. now. They just won't cut a big enough check for him to come back. I I guess I should say they screwed him over to the point where they're not a realistic amount of money that they're going to offer him is not going to bring him back. Richard Hatch is who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Hatch. The winner of Survivor. I even think you could go well deep into the 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 real geriatric side of the Survivor in terms of seasons and pull out an Aussie and people haven't seen him for so long. I think. I think people would be intrigued, but you'd have to build a lot of promo materially around the return of Ozzy to reality TV. So like, I, I, I just don't think the investment, unless you're going to cut the check to the big names like Tyson, the investment in the survivor players does not give you a big enough ROI as big brother does. That's just my point. Richard Hatch is 62 years old and he served <laughs> 51 months in prison. <laughs> for tax fraud. Or... That's crazy to me. 
And when you look at his Wikipedia page for his spouses, he got divorced in 2017 to Emiliano Cabral, and he was named he was married to unnamed Australian woman for five years. Oh, was he really? I did not know that. <laughs> from 1985 to 1990. What about the guy from season two of Survivor who like was making that fire and then he fell in the fire? The guy was oh. They cannot have him on the show. They cannot have him on the show. Yeah, he kind of got canceled after his last Survivor season. I don't think kind of is the right reason. He had he was very much in jail. Yeah, he, oh, was, shit, really? he was way in jail. Did did not know that was... I just remember him killing that pig. I mean, I only watched two yeah. seasons. I watched the first two seasons of Survivor, and that was it. I just remember him killing the pig and falling in the fire and being evac'd yeah. out. What did he they do? They brought him you back can... on like a redemption season, like somewhere in the season late 20, early 30s range, I think, before they kind of switched to Ghost Island and stuff like that. And then after that season, like he went to jail for some big shit. <laughs> like, we can talk about that off air. I mean, I'm sure I can Google it, can I? You can Google it pretty quick and it'll Google come it. up. What was his it name? It was all over TMZ. What was his That's, name? Uh, Mike Scoopin was his name. Mike? Let's say he might be he might be winning a former Subway commercial. Uh, oh, shit, yeah. really? He's in Jared yeah. from Subway Territory. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, not, no. a, not a guy they can bring on. Yeah. No, no, they, <laughs> no, they cannot. I did not know this. Yeah, rough no. story for that rough situation there. That's yeah. uh, um, that's why you do background checks, right? Yes, that's why you you should do background checks. Certainly, you know, it's kind of like I'm how they even, had to re-edit season thirty nine. I'm not going to even cut out the part at the beginning. I'll just put like a five second disclaimer off the top of the show, being like, "Yo, if you want to hear about the cast, jump to twenty three minutes in." Sounds good. If that makes it easier for me. So, what do you guys got going on? Like, are you guys going to do every episode of Challenge USA two recaps? That's, that's our plan. plan we'll see how life unfolds we, we, we all have a very busy lives unfortunately are not solely covering the challenge so yeah there, there may be other things that come up but we'll I mean, real, try to do every episode realistically we will probably in some shape or fashion cover every every episode of usa 2 we've already done our fantasy draft preview on our feed as well as you said it's link in the show here um and then on our patreon we are getting uh further into the chronicles which our show was birthed out of we're currently in fresh meat 2 and we we kind of changed the format a little bit and we we're covering it like we do the weekly episodes we call it the fast five but realistically it's just the whole show um but I, we're doing only one episode at a time instead of three i, I like it better this way we do too i think it's easier <laughs> for you guys too that you don't have to make like three shows worth of notes at the same time too yeah, oh, it's yeah. a lot easier no. to watch one. Well, and Devin's the one that really puts in the hard work on our Chronicle shows because he does all of the note taking. Rob and I are just kind of like the, the the color commentators, so to speak. I still take notes. I just don't have to take them for every eight seconds like he does. Yeah. So doing one episode a week is a lot easier. And it also just works out for us a lot better because we can record two shows back to back and put them out. And we're we're good until till next week because we all have jobs and lives and don't have the luck that the luck and the hard work and drive that you do to have an empire well i mean i don't think the challenge i mean unless you're unless you're scott and Derek, i don't know how much money other people are making from their challenge podcasting careers let's put it this way i make enough to take my family to disney world every year and i'm very happy about that that's nice and people can support the patreon was like four bucks a month four bucks a month you get access to our discord so if you're like a hardcore challenge fan our Discord's a fun place to hang out because it's not got some of the toxicity of regular social media, and we pretty much let people self-police, and it's worked out really well. So we've got some really fun challenge uh, stuff. I often do like a live Discord along with the new episodes out there when they air, 
So we get a lot of fun on Discord. You also get the bonus episode every week on Patreon. So $4, you're getting a lot of stuff. And then uh, we also do our own Patreon fantasy football leagues as well that we all play in. So if people are interested in those kind of things, they can jump in and interact with us. The best part, my favorite part of the fantasy football is our live draft. We just get on Zoom and it's a lot of fun. So Patreons get to hang out with us and we have a lot of fun with it. So yeah. Rob, this is the first time in like five years that I didn't spend the entire show making fun of you. So congratulations. Nice. I wonder what I did to deserve that. I know. The fact that you were able to fix your camera and you didn't sound like shit on your microphone. I mean, it goes a long way. (laughs) So for, for everybody listening to this, Rob's equipment is the most hilarious thing now. He's using an Xbox rock band microphone and it worked way better than any other equipment he's ever tried to use. And it, it it's it's changed the quality of our show. It sucks too because I've spent like over $300 on microphones and I've tried to return them and they won't take them. How are you so bad at technology? It works for literally everyone else except for Again, you. I'm, I'm getting a master's in IT. I do not have it yet. So uh, maybe once that day comes, uh, things will improve. Well... As I mentioned, you can subscribe to the Challenge Chronicles podcast, the free version, and even the Patreon version. I'm a Patreon member, so you should become one too. You can hit that link down in the description. You can also get the link to the Fantasy League as well. And that'll do it for me. Smash the like on the way out. Watch the challenge. Needs our support, all right? I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.